0: Off the record. We're a day late today, so thank you for still tuning in. Uh, We're going to be back on schedule moving forward. If you want to check in on us, you can go to offtherecord.fm. There are show notes, there are places to ask us questions, different places to stream the episodes, and all that. Some follow up from last week my parents heard the episode, and they're now wondering if for Christmas, Chanukah, if they should buy me a new record player. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful scenario. Not even planned. Oh, my parents are probably listening to this now. I can't even talk about this.
1: I just shot my chances. Wait, Wait, what do I have to say so that I get a good gift? What do I want?
0: Well, your dad and my dad are actually going to buy us
1: insurance for this show. It's, it's true. that they, they, They're very paranoid about lawsuits, the two of them. My mother's very concerned for the things I say about my girlfriend on the show.
0: Man, we can get insurance and I can get a, t- <laughs> I can get a record player out of this. This is great. <laughs> should, should we start, start a
1: Kickstarter for the insurance for our show for all the bad advice we give?
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, but the thing is, my dad doesn't know how to use the internet. Sorry, dad. And uh, <laughs> there's no way he knows what Kickstarter is. Oh, uh, Does your dad? Oh, your definitely dad's my, 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 dad, internet, my, dad's,
1: my dad's retired So all he does is use the internet And look up things all day He's very hip too I, Did you see the, the, the Instagram from my father this week? Come on He has a Joy Division
0: channel on Pandora My uh, mom won't let my dad retire Sorry, mom Anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, Actual follow-up Someone asked me where I got my very cool vinyl sunglasses You can go to vinylize.com Get it That link is in the show notes at offtherecord.fm. They are not cheap. Don't judge me. Thank you. (laughs) Moving straight into topics because I'm punk with my dead Kennedy sunglasses on. You know, there's another thing that happened this week, and I know this is starting to turn into a trend, where people just bully me, Jesse. Let's
1: be honest. If you hear hear either of our voices and you're thinking, who am I going to bully, wouldn't you think that? You'd bully someone with our voices. My grandma makes fun of your nasally voice. I'm bringing all my family into this. That's that's, that's not very nice of her.
0: Yeah. She's she old. Was so she was, she was so nice to me. We hugged at the barbecue. She was. She's tricky. The Jewish ones are tricky. <laughs> <laughs> I, I date what I know. <laughs> so, I, um, a lot of people discount sales numbers in 2014. A lot of people Don't discount sales numbers in 2014. I don't think record sales numbers are the be-all, end-all of everything, but I still keep track with them. Um, I hate math, but apparently I like numbers and stats. I I grew up loving sports, and I love stats. So every week, I go to Hits Daily Double, or I have a friend send the sound scan reports to me to check uh, what new releases in our scene or in the scene abroad sold. So last week was a good one. I was excited because there were new releases from Weezer, Yellow Card, and Newfound Glory. You know what, man? We should start a betting pool on over/under. Uh, oh, filed I'm, away. I'm, I, 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 I'm into that. that would, I'm so good at that. It's like mini golf. These are the only two things I'm good at that people wouldn't expect me to be good at. Mini golf. Wow, min- mini golf. Wow. I am good at across the street from the J Tree office. There's now a BYOB mini golf inside. Ooh. It's inside a new complex. Like I think that's kind of great. Next time you come to Philly.
1: Uh, you, you, know, me, I'm all, I'm all about any place I could publicly booze.
0: Totally. And I, you know, Thomas, oh, I played mini golf with Thomas once in Asbury park. He's just so big. He bends over. He truly looks like a little dinosaur bending over. He's just <laughs> terrible. He was like, I'm going to, he's like, I'm going to kick the shit out of you in this. I'm like, dude, I, I, I killed you. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, mini golf aside, uh, I like, I like, just seeing how releases do, you know, uh, yeah. from the site, as management, whatever. Like, I, I care about first week numbers. Uh, the Knuckle Puck EP comes out in seven days, and I hope we do real well. You know, like, numbers are good. Numbers are, everyone cares about numbers um, at the end of the I, I, day. I'm
1: really into this uh, betting pool thing uh, you're talking about. Like, I'm not much of a gambling man, but this is also the type of thing where I can use, see, unlike you, I'm great at math and great at statistics. So I'm I'm feeling good about this. I'm, I I'm ready 90, to throw down some money. I have a and-
0: Ninety-five average right now in the second pass of my finance course. So you watch Ooh. out. Oh, I, I, um, I'm, I'm shook. I'm a little. Shook. My mother's a little shook too. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Who? Who? You know, I listen to this uh, BS Report podcast every Monday where they do bets on the football lines and on. And that, I was listening to that this morning, and I think that's now why I'm feeling this urge to gamble. Can you write off gambling? Is that, is that taxable?
1: No. Uh, in fact, I think it's quite the opposite. I think they heavily penalize you for gambling.
0: Huh.
1: It's, I could, a, I'm it's not, a business expense. We have to do this thing. I'm not giving legal, uh, financial advice because I'm not a financial advisor.
0: That's why we have insurance now. hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I check the sales every week. And so what what happens if you don't know these websites? Hits Daily Double is a uh, website that reports music sales. You know, each week they, they show you the weekly numbers. They can sometimes be a little off for smaller bands or on, or bands on indie labels. Uh, How SoundScan works for anyone that doesn't know: uh, Week one of a record release, all numbers that are pre-ordered for the record and any sales the first week that it's out. So that means if a newfound Glory record comes out on October 7th and you pick it up on October 9th in Best Buy, that counts for a sale. And then Hits Daily Double reports those on Tuesday night. And uh, the difference between them and SoundScan is SoundScan is the official retail, uh, the official, what would you call it, I guess, scorer of all sales. They actually do the official measurement, we would call it. Yes, and so SoundScan releases that information to the public, on when or to record labels and record stores on Wednesday mornings. And then billboard.com reports those numbers later Wednesday. So on Tuesday night, I, I wandered over to Hits Daily Double. It's a week ago right now, actually, when I shot myself in the foot, I guess. And uh, I, I checked out all the sales and Weezer Weezer charted in card charted in and Newfound Glory charted in. And I often do, what I often do is I sort of tweet this information off because I find it really interesting. And I know some of my followers do as well, but they can't necessarily, they don't necessarily know where to find this stuff. So tweeted everything off and I, and I gave my commentary on it. Weezer's album sold less than their last album by a decent amount. Uh, New Found Glory actually sold a good amount more. They raised maybe 40% in sales. And I was shocked. I commented that I thought that was really strong and uh yellow card dropped like eight to 10,000. I don't have the number in front of my eyes right now. So if that number is way off, I'll correct us next week, but yellow card drops dropped significantly. Newfound Glory jumped and Weezer dropped. And, and th- that's kind of what I commented on. I sent out a bunch of tweets. And I mentioned in the yellow card tweet that um, it was another miss by Razor and Tie. Razor and Tie is the label yellow card left Hopeless Records to sign to for this album. Um, Lift the Sale is the title. And so and I didn't think that much of it. I went about my day. Um, and then Wednesday morning, I'm sitting in class and I get an email from a publicist at Razor and Tie and uh, CC'd. Is Yellow Card's publicist, and the uh, the text of the email is essentially a screenshot of all my tweets with yellow highlighter under the areas where I talked about Yellow Card, and the uh, the text and the body was something along the lines of "Why do you continually put down the label? Like, do you have a problem with the label? Do you never want to work with us again? Something along that those lines, and uh, that's how I started my Wednesday morning. So this began my razor and tie fiasco of the day um, in which I I just sort of did what I perceived to do be my interest or my job. By the way, I should I should note that I tweeted everything on my personal account, not the Properties Act Twitter. Um, And obviously, I am a major reflection of the site. It has my name in it. The the text of the email was wondering why you'd write such things about our label and yellow card online. Do you want to continue to work with us? It's just uncalled for and unnecessary and unprofessional. I view my job to kind of be comment as a, as a commenter. And that's where I consider my you job. You
1: did co- commentators.
0: Exactly. Commentator. Sorry. I'm bad at commentating. <laughs> <laughs> commentator. And I, you know, I, I wrote back a lengthy reply. I wasn't, you know, in a situation like this, it would have been very, very, very easy for me to kind of be standoffish. Um, Cause I can be standoffish sometimes. Instead, I I kind of replied very thoroughly and I I explained my my scenario, my viewpoint, which was, you know, for years I've commented on billboard charting and I was simply just comparing numbers. If, you know, if Weezer, if Newfound, sorry, if Yellow Card jumped 20,000 sales and, like, if they increased their sales by 40%, I would have said that. It's not like I would have only commented on Yellow Card if they didn't do well. To be, like, transparent, I have no relationship with Weezer whatsoever. I, Weezer doesn't know I exist. I don't know anyone in Weezer. Don't have a great relationship with New Fem Glory. I also don't have a great relationship with Yellow Cards Publicist. Um, but regardless, that doesn't color facts of what I tweeted. Uh just because I don't have a perfect relationship with Newfound Glory, I actually said really nice things about them. I guess I, I said I was very impressed, and I am very impressed. So my email reply back was just sort of, it's my business to comment, and um, it's just what I do. And ultimately, if they don't want to work with my website anymore, that's okay. That though I would hope that wouldn't end up being the case. Hint, hint. A few emails later, it seems like that's the case. <laughs> So, shocker! shocker never saw it going that way you didn't weird you know i'm usually the one that wants to pick the fight and it wasn't that way this time the the final email from razor and tie after uh, after multiple emails was best of luck with the site and everything you do mm. knucklepucker not signing to razor and tie i guess apparently not apparently not what do you think like I, you know
1: what, while you've been telling this, I've been, I'm a little torn because obviously I engage in this behavior to some extent. I have no problem saying some things about some people who would potentially employ me when I do it because I take criticism very well. Like I've had to read absolute punk comments about my work for the last 15 years where I – that supposedly um, – God, there's a record I did a few years ago where they told me my production um on a record was really bad because I added so many keyboards to the record. There was
0: zero keyboards on that record. <laughs> you know, guitars <laughs> so, don't only have always have to sound one way.
1: Yeah, I mean so what I'm basically though saying is to not make a mockery, there's plenty of good criticism. And I like to think of myself as somebody who takes criticism and ingests it. I actually write a lot about this in the book I'm writing about, about how you healthily ingest criticism of what you do. Sadly, the reason I'm writing that is because most people are not good at that. Then there's a part of me, so there's this certain producer who constantly writes and talks shit on other producers' work on Twitter and through other mediums. And It just feels really tacky to me, but yet I don't find it tacky to sit there and, like, so, for example, when I heard that atrocious Taylor Swift song yesterday, I wrote four different tweets that I ended up deleting because I was like, you know what, no one wants to hear what the 36-year-old age tipster feels about Taylor Swift's song. So there's times I said, sir, my feelings going, really, what am I adding to this discourse? But I don't think what you added to this discourse was unfair or something that everybody's saying. Everybody was already saying this Taylor Swift song is like the Ebola of music.
0: My girlfriend, who is a very large Taylor Swift fan, I started playing. We paused the TV show we were watching to try to play like the leak of it. Mm. And she goes, we'll just listen to it some other time. I want to watch the TV show. And I was shocked. <sighs> wow. Taylor's slipping, huh? Red is still my emo revival album. That started it all. You're, you're, you're awful. Anyway, what you said is fair discussion, and it's
1: interesting to discussion to all 12 of us nerds who like to discuss that thing in our little Twitter pundit chocracy. So I don't think there's any reason you shouldn't have been able to say that. People really don't like having their work criticized, especially publicists and business people. Like, you know, let's be honest. When you're at a meeting, we go to these meetings... The record label people the publicists tend to be the most offended by the bad reviews, even more so than the artists, because the artists get used to it. So never mind when their actual job is being criticized, because most record label people and publicists are idiots who are partying too much and not actually doing their job and really don't want somebody on the internet discussing this, of course they're going to take it bad. And I don't mean to say I don't know any of these people who emailed you. I'm not calling them specifically. I have no idea who these people are, but my experience in the music business is publicists tend to do more cocaine than other people in the music business. (laughs) Just going to put that out there. That's just my experience. They also usually go into it because their brains are...
0: Are we talking about drugs again? We're talking about drugs again! Jesus. (sighs) Yeah, we don't learn our lessons. the The thing with me is... I have criticized Razor and Ty in the past, you know, like, so to me, if I just want to run through this very quickly, I can't get in any, in any more trouble. I can't get in any more trouble and I'm not even in trouble. But to me, like, just to further be transparent in the situation, like Razor and Ty a few years ago tried to sign a. Did sign successfully a lot of bands like Saves the Day and Kevin Divine, The Somerset, uh, Hit the Lights, Such Gold, uh, Yellow Card, right? Like these are all bands that Razor and Tie have signed, and unfortunately, none of them have done well. And that's just kind of the the truth of the situation. And and I have remarked that continuously, just like I remark um, when Run for Cover does stuff well continuously. And it's it's a it's a unfortunate situation because. But Zach, do you talk about how good a
1: job they did with Attila?
0: You're right. That's the thing, though. I have said like very well. I even said in the email I sent like Razor and Tide. Just if you want my thoughts, my thoughts are kind of that Razor and Tide does very well, very well with radio rock and weird metalcore bands, you know. And and that's the truth. And that's okay, right? Like, don't forget that's what pop, uh, what I call pop part forty one. Hmm. And they have the pretty reckless. Um, with my girl Taylor Momsen, I was going to say that that did not do well. In fact,
1: I think you were the only person who gave them any publicity. Well, I, I just, still judge you for. I that I just to wanted this day. to
0: interview her, and I did. Look, I am Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Anyway, at, at the end of the day, all I mean is that I I I find it to be a, a interesting con- continuing factor in my life where. No one in the, people in the music industry in general seem to be really bad at taking criticism. People criticize me all the time. People, I've gotten death threats, you know, like people, people don't like people like me when I say something that they don't agree with, you know. And it's an interesting thing for me when I continue to transition in my quote unquote career where I am going to be continuing on with the site while also managing and 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 doing stuff like this. And you know, there are some people I truly dislike, but I don't dislike anyone at Razor and Tie or, or any label really, you know. And it's like if I, I would rather you do good stuff than bad, but it's what I, I've like to talk about things online. I like to talk things out in that are going through my head online or with people. And I'm going to say it. And to me, it's kind of interesting where I view, I see how the tech world works and people can criticize everything uh, objectively and then also praise things objectively. And there's kind of no harm, no foul. Um, But it is just so not that way in music. It's, it's, it's a thing of frustration to me. That's also not surprising because we're talking about like art here, right? But people seem, you know, like we're, we're, I think we're generally pettier than, than many others. You're petty, Jesse. Is what I'm saying.
1: Oh, I'm so petty. You know, if any, if every decision we do is risk versus reward, you find a greater reward in the risk that Razor and Tie is never going to want to want to work with you. That's, I guess, the interesting thing is that you yeah. you value that you should be able to have an open forum about business and not work with people who aren't comfortable with that, which I think is interesting because, like, I've kind of lived my career like that for better or worse. And I can't tell... I mean, I don't know what's said about me behind closed doors, obviously. But uh, I don't think it's ever been detrimental to my career that I outwardly criticize things that I think are terrible. And I have no problem saying that I think Taylor Swift or Five Seconds of Summer are like a bowl of music.
0: Because You know, to me, um, you know, Razor and Ty, up until last week, loved working with me because I covered their band. And then when I said something not positive about the label, that wasn't even harsh. You know, it was just kind of it was that was actually the least of everything I said, that kind of had like the least the least amount of weight. It was three words and I talked about everything else much more in the in the tweets I fired off, you know? And so to me, where yeah, I I would rather be able to talk about this in an open forum. And that, that opens me up to people talking about my businesses in an open forum as well. And it also talk, and it also opens me up to people taking issue or maybe not trusting what they might say to me. Right. But at the same time with someone like razor and tie, like, uh, they've been perfectly fine for five years. Be my business being talking about bands and maybe criticizing bands or something like that. And now it's a situation where Nope, just that's it. That's it, and. That, to me, is so silly and, and short-sighted. I, like, if it came to a situation where I had a metalcore band on my roster that I thought could be really popular, uh, I would absolutely have Razor & Tie at the top of my list. And But at the same time, if I was managing Knucklepuck, I would not recommend us to sign to Razor & Tie if we ever wanted to sign to a new label, right? Like, that's okay with me. That's, like, there are, there are people that are better at different things, and that's good and that's good for competition that's good for business that's good for just general areas of life and yeah i would rather i would rather take fault i would rather take hits to do to keep doing the only reason why i'm kind of here in the first place right like that to me that's the funny part where people are like how can you comment on that and it's like the only reason you follow me is because of the website where that happens <laughs> that's, to, a, that's that, a good point yeah to me it's kind of backwards. Like, what do you expect someone to get to that point and then just stop commenting like to what's out? I guess that that happens a lot, right? Like you get elected and then you don't you lose You know, you lose your edge. I don't want to get politicky, but mate, I think the metaphor translates. Yeah. That's not, not just po-
1: politics. That's that. That's, you know, you become the CEO instead of the guy who was down the pike. The when you get power, you just stop uh, saying as much. Now, Some part of that, I think, also as somebody who's had to put a lot of things out. So I was, you know, a writer and a critic before I was a record... Maybe not before I was a record producer, but before I was doing records that anybody cared to listen to. I did think it was interesting how much humility I got, though, with time about... There's no record producer in this world who doesn't drop the ball on a record here and there. I don't feel the need to say you know, this. make a comment about every time somebody does something wrong and things like that. I mean, I actually think it's funny. I I stay out of commenting on production. I mean, I might text you or somebody else when I think of somebody's production publicly. I I think I have a lot of sympathy for what can go wrong in it from doing that. Maybe you'll have that with time.
0: I would, and also, like, I would, I imagine, like, you. In the meantime, everybody, when they see Zach doing something wrong, should make sure they tweet at him. (laughs) Like I, you know, like, like most humans, I would much rather focus on the good, you know, on the positive and, yes. and command. in. That's like, that's what I, and I wasn't not doing that or doing that. I was just kind of commenting truly on the last record. You know, I was comparing three new releases to those three artists' previous releases. And that, those were just facts. And that to me, like when this specific situation, like that's almost where I was. The silliest to me was because it's like I didn't say any I didn't say anything that was false, and that's I think why it was taken so strongly because it was true, and that was and that situation was clearly something of concern for the people involved.
1: It was innocuous to you, but clearly not to their thin skin, and I think that's just the thing. Is a lot of the time in this world, just as we have with our relationships, sometimes is that one person's thick skin is another person's thin, and then all of a sudden we're in the doghouse. Really, that's
0: never happened to me. And the one thing that was in common that was in common with all three of these artists is that oh, you know, I don't know if Newfound Glory have had a platinum record. Shit. I had a perfect transition ready.
1: Oh. Well, the internet has its panties in a very big bunch right now because there's been no record that's gone platinum this year. I kind of like couldn't believe when I saw this. I mean I hit retweet on it anyway because I like stirring up the pot just like Zach does, apparently. Most records, like, I even thought what was funny was, like, last year was, like, you know, almost every record as they would go platinum, it was because it was a year-old record, and it took that long to go platinum, whereas, like, you know, I think about, like, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusions, that, like, go platinum, would platinum, they might have even gone double platinum the night they came out, the night. So... Everybody's up in their arms like, oh, my God, no record. This is how bad the record industry is in the toilet. And it's like, oh, people, come on. One thing I don't think everybody realizes is what Billboard did compared to SoundScan. So just as we were talking about the difference between Hits Daily Double and what SoundScan and what Billboard's role is, Billboard now counts streams in their sales things when how they measure the charts and they – That could be YouTube or Spotify and all that gets measured. But the RIAA hasn't changed over to including streams and their things. So all this is showing is that we're consuming music in a better way and people aren't buying CDs or music on iTunes or Amazon. The fact that there's no platinum records, I'm like, thank God we're adjusting to a more amazing way of listening to music instead of the stupid way we've been consuming it for years. Please, let's have no more platinum records if the RIAA isn't going to change their ways and change things over the streams. But I think they're so because you have to remember also, the certification of gold and platinum records is all about the RIAA selling you those plaques. And when I say you, I mean the people involved in that project, the record company, buying them for everybody who is involved, and everybody who has their name on a record. Like, you know, there's a ridiculous amount of uh those plaques that sit in my parents house because my aunt was involved in a small way on some and like you know she was in radio promotions like labels buy these for everybody who is involved in it's insane and yeah they give out plaques
0: (laughs) yeah and so this is uh, all about one of my professors in his office he just has like like 15 different plaques from his time at columbia and i'm like how many of these are there
1: yeah and so this is the thing is this is all about a celebration party and a way for the riaa to get some money it's not in their best interest to do it but the other thing about the riaa is it's about them keeping in good graces with ours and the eagles aren't going to be psyched when all of a sudden it's easier for all these other people to do it and like It's just an old boys club, and you know, we also have to remember, this was run by, like, the biggest moron on Earth for years, Hilary Rosen, who helped run the music business into the ground. By the way, if you haven't watched the movie Downloaded, that's on Netflix, and you want to see what a Gigantic moron, these people were who ran the music business into the ground. Watch that movie. It's excellent. I watched yep. it this week. You've given me a lot of media to consume. I know, I know, I know. You're not happy with me.
0: Do you think Taylor Swift will go platinum this year?
1: Pretend that Taylor Swift doesn't exist as much as possible now.
0: We talk about Taylor Swift so much on this podcast. So much. I, I think she will. Like, I, yeah, I don't see how Taylor Swift does not go platinum this year. Like, I, I don't see. I know this isn't the point of that article, but I, I don't see how Taylor Swift doesn't sell 600,000 copies week one, a few hundred thousand copies over the next few weeks, and then hits hits platinum over Christmas with stocking stuffers. Like, I would be more shocked if she hmm. didn't go platinum than if she did. I just don't know, like... I think, I think I'm on Team Zero after that that convincing argument you just made. Yeah, you got to think about Black Friday, Christmas. Like, why is Taylor Swift releasing an album in October? Because it's clearly going to sell very well with all the holidays. And as you saw, Jesse, well, maybe you didn't see. You don't watch sporting events on live TV. She's teaming up with Subway uh, to replace her Papa John's no. thing from last time around.
1: Uh, see, I know that because there's graffiti on all the ones on my walk to work of
0: her. They're covering her up. Oh, gosh, she's so pretty. Oh, uh, no, no, Brooklyn. Oof. I'll never, I'll never live in you. Um, and that's why I live there. And to me, like to me, I think this—the way everyone's talking about this article—to me is way wrong. Everyone in my mind is talking about it like. The music industry is a disaster. How how is this possible? No one buys any records. The last record that went platinum was frozen and that wasn't even like an album by a real artist, you know, like stuff like that. Meanwhile, like I think the conversation mm-hmm. should be where you're framing it, where like, well, first of all, do we actually need to give plaques out to anyone? But if we do, how should we, how should we actually go about configuring information together with streaming and all of that? but but since i think it's focused on why the music industry is still a disaster which has been the conversation for what the last 15 years now 13 years like to me and I, and i think i've i've talked about this before um and actually like the, the next thing we'll talk about quickly shows that in my mind at least is just that like i think the music industry is doing pretty well right now you know i i can't speak for interscope records but I think there's a lot of really well-developing scenes, and that doesn't necessarily mean only punk. Like it's clear Jesse's little dance party over there is doing pretty well too, and it's clear country is doing real well right now. Yeah, my dance party. <laughs> and you know, to me, if if vinyl sales, if vinyl sales are up forty-seven point five percent in two thousand fourteen compared to where they were last year, if knuckle puck, uh, can release music on a label that did not exist a year and a half ago and look to be selling over a thousand units week one when they've been a band in people's eyes for just 15 months. Like if, if, you know, I think just since we're, this is easiest thing in context, like if something like my label can be successful, something like a band like knuckle puck can be successful. If Warp Tour is growing, if tours are doing really well right now, if vinyl sales are up, like, where is all the disasters everyone's talking about? Or Is all, is all the disaster everyone's talking about, is that the bloat in, like, the top of the music industry is fading away and thinning out? Because to me, that's, that's good, and that's not, I don't think that's good because I want people to lose their jobs, or I want uh, some artist doing an arena tour that shouldn't be an arena tour to have to cancel the tour. It's just because I think There's nothing wrong with focusing on, hey, like the music industry is actually doing well and uh, record sales don't necessarily have to mean everything, especially if there's no million records. Like there are many other ways of income and success right now, I think, and, and I'm seeing it all around. In fact, real time follow up, Rolling Stone just posted an article and the headline is can Taylor Swift's nineteen eighty-nine save the ailing music industry? Like what what's the male, what is the ailing music industry? And how could Taylor Swift save it on her own? Like what done, like what are you doing, Rolling Stone? What are you doing?
1: I don't like You know what they're doing? This was this was this was also my next point. So real time analysis here. The idea that the music business is in trouble is great clickbait. It's just this thing. And like even the thing too. So one of the things we could also discuss is so Spotify and uh, apparently Apple's encouraging this, that they're doing these cheaper subscription rates and everybody's like, this is the opposite way uh, to get artists paid. And it's like, no getting people addicted to streaming music is the right thing to do. After that, jacking up the prices on them after they're addicted, just like you do to Pookie, the crackhead of new Jack city. That's the way you get it done. And that's the way you restore money into the music business. People aren't signing up from the free section of Spotify. They're staying on it. They're listening to ads instead of paying the 10000 or $10 a month, $100 a year. And now what they're trying to do is they're saying... Let's get people in. Let's get everybody addicted. And then we're going to take away that free platform, and you're going to have to pay. And you're not going to want to go back to the way it used to be, especially as iTunes dies. You're never going back to paying for albums again once you've been using Spotify for six months. They're trying to convert you. They're trying to get you hooked. And then, like the crack dealer, they're going to say, ah, gotcha. Now keep coming back, and now it's more expensive for a weaker product.
0: Yeah, like Apple's pretty good at making money, (laughs) Yeah, well, and, and at that,
1: this is this is not a new business model. Like I just said, crack Dealer's been doing it since
0: New Jack City was made, and that was the '90s. Zach wasn't born yet. I oh, well, I might have just been born. Who cares about you know like who cares about clickbait in the music industry? You know, like the Rolling Stone article that I'm just skimming through now shows that album sales have been down 14 percent all year. You know, there's nothing in there that counteracts with. However, vinyl sales have been up 47 percent. Like it's just. What do you, do? like, you know, vinyl sells for $15, you know, major labels sell vinyl records, which sell a lot for $25 as a single LP instead of selling but a my CD. My Lord Vinyl was $30 at Urban Outfitters. Right, and you know how expensive that CD probably is? It's probably only like $15, right? And it's like, you guys are still making money. You guys are okay. Everyone's okay here. As someone who deals in the business of clickbait, I, I just like off, the most boring clickbait in the world is the music industry is a disaster clickbait because that clickbait has been going on since Left Sets opened up the internet in 2001, right? Like it's just kind of boring. <laughs> yes. To follow up, vinyl sales are up 47.5%. This year? That 0.5
1: is very, very important.
0: However, it it looks like uh, just under 9 million records are going to be sold um, this year, which is uh, in comparison to 6 million being sold last year and 4.5 million being sold in 2012. So vinyl is picking up, and that's because of how many knuckle puck records we've sold, and I'm very happy to be a part of that upward trend. (laughs) Oh, man. Knucklepuck's a major label artist. We sell our records for $30. So that
1: as well, we have this second record store day that now happens. You don't like record store day. No, I don't like record store day. Um, But we've been through this that I think record stores should all close because they hurt the democratization of music, and no one needs to hear this speech from me again that they've listened to this podcast before.
0: (laughs) I like record store day. I, uh... I, I feel like it's in, in in contrast to the disastrous music industry i there's nothing I like standing in line for yet. I never really mind going out on record store day i I don't go to I, I've only really been to spring edition of Record store day and standing in line for an hour and then picking up overpriced vinyl. That sounds like a fun that's a fun celebration to me, but I also get why people Did't you make like me it. go to Shake Shack with you one time? Man, that's a throwback. You're insulting me with something from 2012. Jeez, impeach Petty Cannon. Uh, what, what's going on with the tax? The tax world. You're not an accountant. Oh, so so I, I I think I
1: think this is really cool. So, um, a guy from Downtown Music Group who bring you all your favorite Indian dance hits, or at least my favorite Indian dance hits, is saying that New York needs to start subsidizing. Uh, and giving a tax credit to people who record in New York so we could revitalize our entertainment business and our recording studios. This obviously doesn't affect me because despite the fact that I live in Brooklyn, my recording studio's in Union City, New Jersey, so this actually wouldn't do anything for me, actually, but um, I think this is always a great thing, and so for people who don't know, this is what Canada actually does, is Canada gives Canadian artists money to uh, make their art so that they spread it out. It's also cheaper to film in Canada, which is, um, I think actually a lot of states do too. So Georgia, Louisiana, and Maryland, and even New York actually I think does it with film as well. North Carolina too. North Carolina too. Um, They give incentives um, and tax breaks to their states so that they get tourism. Now, you might be thinking, that's silly. People do tourism. So where I grew up is where The Sopranos was filmed. And there is the most a ridiculous amount of tours seeing where Tony ate a sandwich one time going on around where I grew up and, like, the blocks I grew up on all over the place all the time. It's still to this day. That show hasn't been on the air for, like, 10 years or something crazy like that. These things really do help. They help with tourism. They help also because humongous crews come down there. And that's the other thing they're saying is give a tax break because— Bringing in all these musicians to work helps all the other lo- local businesses. Um, I, like, I often joke about our studio is like if I went into the pizza business, I would just find the place where there's the most recording studios and offer the guys who run the recording studio a discount when they're alone and when they're with the band. Just charge the normal price because, I mean, we literally single-handedly keep like two pizza places in business with the studio
0: tax breaks are good or, or is this considered a tax break no it's a tax credit i guess is, is that the same well thing?
1: i mean that, that that that's technically the same thing it's no,
0: no matter what it's incentive we could call it i think it's a cool idea it's kind of like it's 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 like very um it's very much very much contrast like a school cutting down on their music program kind of feeling which is nice
1: That is nice, and the other thing about it is, too, is it'll make our records better because then the band doesn't have to pay as much for their budget, and it's already expensive enough to make... You know, the other thing to talk about with New York is our cost of living is so insanely high now, especially in Brooklyn, where a lot of the studios are, is that, you know, the rent... So the reason my studio's in Union City and not in Brooklyn, where I live... Is because I pay one third of the cost to have a studio here compared to there. But I also can get New Jersey business and Brooklyn business by doing this.
0: Yeah. New York is New York's a little pricey. Just talking with Grace about Philly Philly living prices to New York living prices, it's like it is it is a joke. We could probably get like a two bedroom place in Philly for a grand or less a month and it'd be nice. Which does not exist in the five boroughs. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to to round the show out, I have my own question for Jesse because um, I need I need some advice or I need some thoughts in a in a stressful work environment I'm in right now, and I didn't want to I didn't want to ask our own Tumblr box about it. When when what, regarding momentum, you know, we're working out we're working out situations now. Just for some of the band boy how do how do I not leak my own leaks you know timing timing tours and timing releases is super tricky like how do we how do you, how do you sort of juggle and what have you done in the past when it's when you're in a situation where your band wants to tour your band needs to tour your band's not really in a place yet where you can disappear for six months without not people forgetting about you but you know like you know knuckle puck have a lot of momentum right now we still need to record an album sometimes next yes. sometime next year, uh, and we need to still tour sometimes next year. And um, these things work together often, but in a situation where there's offers on the table for great tours, but hell, hell at the same time, like we don't want to compromise the writing and the recording process for the album because that's much more of a long sighted, yeah, you know, that's more that's much more of a long term play than a short term play. How is that? how how is that breaking point not always going to just break you (laughs)
1: it's yeah I mean if you think about it if you really think about it in your brain right now wouldn't you say that this is like the detriment of a lot of the bands you know of is that like they can't balance this album cycle of how hungry fans are compared to how much they need to tour and how much they need to keep putting out music to not lose that momentum I think of very few who do it well, but um, in the next, let's say two weeks in case I mess up, I have my own separate podcast aside from this coming out where I interview people about creativity and I, on the first episode, I talked to Tim from Transit. I think we did a really great interview, but Tim got really good at writing on the road that he would just sit down and write in the hotel room and on the day off that was a day to record songs and a lot of my other friends too who do more dancey stuff do it on the road the whole time like you know it's it's not even a thing that like most dance groups these days like when they talk about their record they made most of it in hotels um now Some will say that's a little easier because it's all virtual instruments and a laptop, but that's not totally the case. You do need your studio to do a lot of it, and a lot of those guys rely on analog instruments too. But with that said, there's a million tools out there, and I think that people still think of it as writing time versus touring, and I think that's one of the big things is, one, you have to do smaller releases more often. Like one of the big things we do with Man Overboard is always... Pump out a seven inch or something small and keep people interested and a cover or an alternate version, and then two, it is that thing of and I'll say this man overboard were not good at that right on the road thing, but they still had a lot of songs, and Zach was really great at pumping out a lot of songs. but these are two things that are like a real war, and I think that that's the easiest answer is smaller releases more often. I mean, I told the Knucklepuck guys when they were here for pre-production, they got it right on the road. There's no—it's not a multiple choice. It's A. That's it.
0: It's tricky because, you know, a situation like Knucklepuck where the band has actually, you know, in a, in in uh, in 14 months' time has released—you know, has released 12 songs. And that's actually an album's worth of songs, right? And, yes, they've been spread over three releases, but— mm-hmm that's not nothing. And before that, they had another release with like four more songs. So it, it, it's just an interesting thing when balancing like, God, we can't... And, and actually the... the It's not an issue, but the, the issue here is like, it's not so much of writing on the road. It's more of like, got to record the album, but we don't want the album recording to be compromised. You know, there, there's so many little things to add up between... You need this much time to record an album and then this much time to manufacture an album. We vinyl manufacturing takes a long time. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Momentum tricky does. momentum's like a tricky, tricky thing that uh well, that's that's it's a good problem and it's a shitty problem. Well, but
1: so isn't some of momentum also not having what's the way to put it like the lull it's so funny we just defended like the whole idea of like naming names and criticizing bands but you know there's some bands that you see and you're like wow what did those those guys just do for four or five months they didn't tour they didn't do anything and like you just and they come out with a record every three years and you're like well that's why you guys were never the biggest band and it's like yeah if you want to be the biggest band odds are you're gonna have to Keep that momentum up, and it's either yeah, you're on tour, you're on the other thing is too is you ain't getting them checks if you're not doing both these things all the time,
0: yeah, and we well, you know how frankly, important getting like, those checks are mm-hmm, and then your management isn't getting checks either, and then your booking agent isn't getting checks, and then, well what I think
1: even think even worse is your band's not getting checks, and if you're the person who's managing the band, you're now listening to them uh get mad and think about breaking up because they can't afford anything,
0: yep. There's a lot of a lot of mouths, a lot of a lot of pizza to feed, in Union City. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, so so here here's the
1: other thing though about that momentum is I, I what I actually have been thinking about a lot is I see a lot of records where it's like oh why did you guys only write twelve songs going into a record that was really important you needed to write twenty four so that's another thing like when people. I get very mad, like, when we talk about the decline of the music business, what people say is, bands suck these days compared to the SJ. I think that's the biggest load of crap. One of the things I find very interesting, and I've been very in this thought, because uh, Porter Robinson Worlds is my favorite. I think I talked about this, that, like, he talks about he spent 300 hours on one song. And there's no rock band who's doing that. But never mind, even, like, most rock bands don't put 50 hours into writing a song. And I think there's just this big thing that's happened now, is that no one is owning up to the craftsmanship that happened a while ago and the ways that people turned out great records, like writing 24 songs and releasing 12 on the LP and maybe recording 18 of those songs, but six of them then become B-sides or an EP or bonus tracks or something. And then, you know, it's just like that's really dying right now. And I know that's tough to juggle with this momentum, but... I think that's an, another thing is that you have to just get good at creativity and you have to get good at doing this stuff. And some of that is like go, going to the gym. It's just flexing that muscle and working it out. And I feel really bad talking about working out if anybody's ever seen my arms. I think
0: your arms are in better shape than my arm. <laughs> that's that's great to hear considering that the sounds uh, like a different kind of That sounds like a different kind of podcast. Do you have recommendations? I
1: do. I had a really good inspiring week. So I listened to the podcast Serial, which is a podcast that's chronicling a murder that they think, at least it seems like what it's about, they kind of intentionally didn't let slip what it's totally about, but it seems like they're saying this murder was not tried right, but it's a murder from 1999, so it's just super interesting. Um, there's only four episodes so far, but man, those four episodes are amazing. Something we'll get into next week is I watched the Dave Grohl show. Sonic Highways, which I'll just say is amazing. And if you want to have a better listen to our next show, you should watch it because we're going to discuss it a little bit more next week. That's my homework. Yeah, this your homework. Um, and I saw Porter Robinson live this week, and it was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life, but probably no one else is going to enjoy that. So Was that at Terminal 5? That was at Terminal 5, and I know a lot of people hate Terminal 5, but I loved it. It was my girlfriend's birthday. She loved
0: it. Hmm. I love term. I won't say I love Terminal Five. Yeah, I'm with the mixed bag on that. my My, uh, my two recommendations are Beach Slang. Uh, the band has released two EPs, and they're both super good. They're young. Well, some of the members are old, but the the uh, the the music is young, and uh, I don't think they have one bad song. And they're really great. The other recommendation I have is Andrew, Andrew McMahon's uh, debut solo album, um, which comes out today, I suppose, I think, uh, or maybe came out last week. Either way, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting, and, and uh, it's a nice continuation of his career, and I am a very big Andrew McMahon fan, and check that out. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone for listening to Off the Record this week. Head to offtherecord.fm to check out show notes, to leave us any feedback. Jesse can be found at Twitter, at Jesse Cannon.